Hello, I'm Martin Mercer. And I'm James Mastriani. You've never heard of us. We're two Brits who grew up in North London and have had varying success in the film and television industry. In our ever-advancing age, we find ourselves on... The The Wrong wrong Side of of Hollywood. In our series of podcasts, we'll share our experiences of what it's like being a British bloke living and working... Or not. ...in the biz. We'll discuss everything from fish and chips to things that wind us up. So stay with us. It's all uphill from here. This podcast may contain strong language. If you're of a sensitive nature or easily offended, we invite you to, as they say in Blighty, jog on. Thanks to our dear listeners like you, the Wrong Side of Hollywood podcast is made possible by donations from our Patreon members. Whether it be a one-off or a generous monthly contribution, why not consider heading over to patreon.com forward slash the wrong side of Hollywood. There you can become a member and have access to behind the scenes videos and other exclusive content. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome back to the exciting conclusion of the Michael Surridge interview. Yeah, last we heard he was about to get into trouble for impersonating his school principal. Or was he? Let's find out, shall we? So at what point in your life did you realise you had a talent for doing different voices? Oh, much earlier. Much earlier. Uh, I was imitating the principal when I was in second grade. You know, because we'd hear him <laughs> on the morning announcements. Right. This is the principal. He sounds like that. So I was in the back of the class going. <laughs> and the teacher goes, goes, Michael, I want to see you after class. Everyone's like, oh, oh, you're in trouble. So after class, I waited. She goes, um, I heard you doing an invitation to the principal. It was actually quite good. <laughs> How would you feel about going on for the morning announcements over the intercom and doing it for the whole school? And I was like, <laughs> and, you know, I didn't have the confidence. I, didn't, I, I thought, oh my God, this is insane. Are you kidding? But that's great. So that is what you need. You've got a mentor, right? Right, yeah. right. She yes. did. She was great. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. So for the people who are uninitiated in the American schooling system, how old are you in second grade? Oh, I was seven. I was seven. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. So I got in there and I went on the intercom and I thought, okay, this is my big chance. So I'm going to I'm gonna lay a little something extra in there. And, and, and at that time, <laughs> the, the newsreader oh. that everyone knew was Walter Concrete. Walter Concrete? Concrete. Cronkite. I can't even say it right because I used to make fun of it. Cronkite. <laughs> this is Walter Cronkite. Right? Was he an announcer for our he was three a news people reader. in Potter's Bar in England? He, he was a newsreader for CBS, okay. which at the time was the most revered. They yeah. had a very young Dan Rather. Right. They had Charles Kuralt. They had a lot yeah, of... It was very well known. Yeah, and very mm-hmm. trusted journalists, yeah. you know. Yeah. And that's the way it was November 10th, 2023. And he also did a whole series for educational television called You Are There. And he'd take you to like places in history. It was like educational films sure. you see in school. Yeah. So I went in there and I went, this is Walter Concrete here. And I did a little <laughs> bit of that. And then I did the principal. And then I came back. Everybody's like, where were you? You're late. And I'm like, no, no, no. That was me on the intercom. They're like, what? <laughs> really? That was you? That's what it hit. That's why I went, I like this getting attention yeah, thing. Right, yeah. And that was Absolutely. it. Absolutely. That was about it. So were you influenced by anybody? 
Or was it all from inside? No, I don't think I'm sure. Everyone is influenced by someone. Come on. Of course, you know, there are people that you love to watch when I was a kid. Uh, Now that we know that there's full disclosure on all these people that we used to love, Mm. we found that most of them were total shits. Right. But, you know, I was a big Jerry Lewis fan. I loved Buddy Hackett and Mickey Rooney. They did a couple of things together that were very funny. I loved Don Knotts, you know, The Incredible Mr. Limpet. Mm. Uh, What was the other one? The Ghost of Mr. Chicken. Those movies, yeah. Those movies were like really big. And they kind of influenced you a little bit? I think they did. And then, of course, I was listening to Bill Cosby. I was listening to all those albums when those came out. Right. And I was really actually big on David um, oh, David, David Fry. Fry. Okay. Yeah. And the thing that held David Fry back, unfortunately, was he was apparently he was incontinent. He had a bad bladder. Oh. So you go out and he could do about four minutes of his act. I can relate. He, he could go out and do about four <laughs> minutes of his act. Because I actually met a guy later who used to come out when he had to go pee. And then you'd like come out and tumble oh, he, and stark for him while he would go to the bathroom and then he'd come uh, back out. And they literally would have like a bucket right <laughs> off stage because the guy, he really had a problem. Right. But oh my God, his invitations were fantastic. So I think a lot of my influences, honestly, were records. Okay. They were rec- oh. Because, you know, we were in the hinterlands. Right. There, there was Ed Sullivan once a week. Okay. With Wayne and Schuster. Wayne and Schuster were great, okay? okay? So that was it. I was listening to albums and, you know, National Lampoon Radio Hour. That stuff I used to listen to religiously. And all those people ended up on Saturday Night Live. Right, right. And one other ones. Oh, there's The Whimsical World of Irving Taylor. If you've never experienced that, you need to. He did all these great songs. Wow, okay. Yes. Right. Well, also, um, when the crabgrass blooms again, who can I, forget it? I was talking to James about this earlier and the public awareness of voice artists. And I was thinking when I used to love the Muppets, oh, yeah, for instance. Yeah. Oh, Frank um, Oz. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And then when I saw Star Wars and met Darth Vader and were aware of this voice, uh, oh, James yeah. Earl Jones. Oh, my God. What was a voice. There, you've mentioned those influences that you've had. Mm-hmm. Was there any time where you were like hearing somebody like the James Earl Jones voice or something like that, that you were like, right, I really love this and this is where I want to focus rather than maybe being in front of the camera? Or I think, like you that. know, it's funny. I had a therapist once tell me this, which is you don't get used to what you're doing until you do it for a while. And it's kind of like chocolate cake after a while. You start to like it. And that's how it was. It was. First, it was kind of uncomfortable. And then I would do school plays and stuff. And I was always doing that. And I was always trying to perform in front of the class. I was always looking for approval. You yeah. know, I was always looking for approval. That's what it was. I came from a background where my dad was a pretty big alcoholic. And my mother was a drama queen. So whenever we'd go anywhere publicly, he would act up. He would set her off. She would just go fucking nails and tongs, hatchets after him. And everyone that was there would be very uncomfortable. And then what I would do is I'd go, hey, look over here. Mm -hmm. And I'd do something funny. It would break the ice. It would break the tension. Mm -hmm. And I got used to being that person having that function in life of being like a mascot yeah you know where people go oh yeah. oh look it's the mascot or it's the clown oh good now we can relax and not think about that ugly fucking scene right. you know because <laughs> my parents marriage was basically the end of act one of who's afraid of virginia wolf right. every right. night right. oh wow and that's you know wow. that's rough man. yeah that's rough so i learned to in a sense help people disassociate and help people get out of not just their uncomfortables, but out of their pain. Mm. And that's always what I've wanted to do. I've always wanted to help people get out of their life long enough to have a laugh and relax a little. Because, you know, the world can be very bleak. Yeah. Well, that's why we do this as well. We don't really talk politically here. No. No. There's so much of that. When you did the power, my son loves power. Oh, yes. I'm so lucky on that. Yeah, That was all Scott Page. God bless Scott Page. Scott Scott Page was this wonderful guy and he was a great musician. And And he did a lousy English accent, though. 
Uh, yes, really that is true. I never said he did. I never said he was a good voiceover <laughs> person, but he was a very excellent musician. Yes. And he got put in a place of power at Hyam's place, at Hyam Saban's. And he would give people opportunities. Yeah. And at his funeral a few years ago, God rest his soul, Scott, if you can hear me. God love you, man. You helped us all. You're such a generous guy in that way. He would give you an opportunity to do whatever you wanted. You know, hey, I think you could do these voices. Why don't you come in and mm -hmm. we'll... And that's how it would work with him. And he did that with production people. He did that with a lot of different yeah. kinds of people, giving them all opportunities, as Hyam would do. Mm. Hyam would give you great opportunities. Mm. And unlike Disney, he would pay you. Right. You know, in the early <laughs> days, I'm sorry to say, but that's true. I mean, Disney would give you all kinds of responsibility, but they didn't want to pay anybody. Right. Yeah. And a great story about that is I was working on a show called Zoog Disney. We're talking about 2003. It was one of the first shows that interacted with the internet. Disney, always being as savvy as they are, yeah. they decide we're going to do this show and it's going to be on television, just little snippets, but go online to Zoog Disney and da 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 da. Well, the first couple of weeks we did it, they thought, oh, maybe we'll get 50,000 hits. The first weekend they did 156,000 hits oh, from wow. kids at home in 2003. Not everyone had a computer at that time. Wow. And then they went, wow, we're on to something. And so we did this show for a while and they'd keep bringing in these directors. They weren't skilled voicers like, here, go try this. And it was always just terrible. And each one of them had a shelf life about, I don't know, anywhere from two weeks to like a month. That was it. And we were doing this all the time. So finally we got this one guy and this guy comes in and he's got his glasses and he's, he's very quiet. And he appears to know what he's doing and he's really paying attention and he's understanding it and he's making the right kind of notes. And he's going, well, let's go back and run that again. And he's very calm, very grounded. And that was Ryan Johnson, hmm. the guy who directed Star Wars and wrote. Yeah, oh, really. And that was his start. Huh. Wow. Yeah. And he had and just about that time was the same time that he talked Joseph Levitt and Judy Bloom hmm. into doing Looper. Right, okay. which I love. Them. Yeah, oh, that's a great one. That's excellent. Hang on, didn't you work on that? No. Oh, why do I think you? But I'll take the credit. James, okay, for this year. No, I didn't work on it. Michael's eyes is bulging, and I have to re. I kept trying to keep in touch with Judge. Yeah, you know, Ryan, if you're not doing anything, how, 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 how? But you can recognise that when somebody comes in. I mean, I've had this in my work. Oh, when you yeah. meet a director, like on Lockie, Kate Heron, she was prepared and she had notes and shot lists and she had photographs. And you don't get that a lot, I hate to say no, it. you don't. And it's just so nice. Isn't it? It's like that one phrase that Ted Turner uses is really true. It's like, lead, follow, or get out of the way. Right. Mm. And that is true mm. with people that are truly great at what they do. That's but, what it is. Mike, I wanted to ask you. Sure. You eventually parlayed work into directing voice. Yes, I did. And I've watched you work because we've worked together. On, oh, of course, uh, you were a fantastic producer oh, for me. Bless you. That's very you kind. Were. No, no, you were. Come say, on. We say did that again for Battle my Battle Beat Em On. We did I Dot and Jump. Yep. We did uh, Girls Gone Wild. Oh, no, yep. that wasn't you. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? So how was he? No, Come but, on. How no, was he? Like, really? On. Before we go into that, I just mm -hmm. want to say, was everything you learned doing voiceover work prepared you to direct? Because you knew, oh, I need a different intonation on that. Right. I well, I think a lot of that, believe it or not, wasn't just the voiceover work. It was doing all those plays. Right. Doing all that theater. And that's why it really drives me crazy. People say, well, I'm going to be a voiceover artist, and I have no theatrical background. Right. I don't know anything about vocal production but hey i'm gonna do that 
And maybe they get one or two good things that are within their vocal range, and now they think they're like great voiceover artists. And I got nothing against it. If you can get away with that, good. But it's smoke and mirrors, my friend. Guilty as charged. Uh, <laughs> out with you then. Mia culpa. It is my fault that I, we allowed you in here. Now take those new cold Lucomanes and head towards the exit. <laughs> towards the egress, right? You know that story? No. Oh, that's a great story. So P.T. Barnum had this show in New York. It was a huge show and it was a quarter to get in, which was like a lot of money. But he had a show with like, the bearded okay. lady oh, and the sure. rubber man and yeah, the geek yeah, yeah. and all that. Yeah. And they had this huge sign that said, this way to the egress. And nobody knew what egress meant. It meant the exit. And then they'd go out and they'd close the door on him. They'd say, you want to get back in? It's a nickel. <laughs> and they were fucking these people. It's really true. Yeah, this way to the egress. I thought That's that was excellent. pretty great. Exit. Stage oh, left. Man. Laughing already. So that was an intelligence tax. Yes. Yeah, there you go. That's exactly right. Everyone that scored 16 on their SAT had no problem yeah. with that. Uh, but to answer your question, James, I think a lot of it was the fact that I was such a mimic. You know, I'd hear somebody doing something and I could suck it in, you know? And it's and, it, and that also happens with directing. You know, if you see someone directing that's a good director mm. and you see what works for them, mm. you know, in life, that's the darn thing. You can have all these great teachers, but can you take everything that they have from all of them? No. You take what works for you, mm. right? Mm. Hopefully you do. Hopefully, yeah. 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 Uh, and hopefully you're able to build your own repertoire of how you do things. I find with directing, though, it's interesting. I always say there are three types of people that we work with in directing. There's the people that you have to push or compliment <laughs> or, you know, oh, no, no, that wasn't very good. No, no, that was fine. But let's try another one. Maybe you could do this, you know. So you have to, in a sense, coddle. Right. And then there's some people... I know it sounds totally the antithesis of the way you think you'd want things to go, but some people like me beat up. Mm. There's some people who say, hey, listen, come on now, we got to get this done. Yeah. Let's do it again and do it this Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. You know, I don't know if that's a learning style, or but there's some people that way. Yeah. And then I love what I call the third category, which is the people that are so talented that you just get sit back. They do what they do. You ask for another take. They do something else that's wonderful, and we move on. Right now. And who, who, even early example? in their careers, it was people like Steve Bloom. Yeah. Steve. I worked with quite a few people that have gone on to be huge in anime and in voiceover. And they all had it even at the start. Right. It was just ah, a matter of, nice. you know, the Steve Blooms, Michelle Ruff, Kari Walgren. These are people that I was there for every one of their first projects voiceover. Right. Mm. It really was. And it was just happy to help them to excel. Well, again, mean? we've talked about Steve before. I mean, his range is incredible, very much like yours. I mean, he can do super oh, deep, deep, yeah. deep voice. Oh, and, so, and in the same breath, pitch it right up right. to a squeaky uh, I don't think you'll realize, though, that he worked very hard to yeah. do that. You know, he was at home every night on that microphone. He started, I'm pretty sure about this, he was running videotapes back and forth from studios. He was a PA. He was right. a production assistant. And he just kept going and kept trying. And that's the thing is so many people lose the idea that, number one, you got to be educated about what you're doing. Number two, you have to apply yourself. Mm -hmm. It doesn't just fall in your lap. For some people, they're very lucky that it does. And sometimes when it's nepotistic, of course, people are getting better chance. But still, if you don't have it, typically you're not going to get to go any farther. You know, you might get one or two things. But being skilled at what you do, mm. and the phrase I always use, I got it from Stephen J. Covey, which is sharpen the saw.
You have to sharpen the saw mm. every day. You have to work at it. You know, it's like you with your drawings mm. and what you. I mean, that just doesn't happen naturally. You have to go. Okay, I got to keep doing this or whatever your methodology is mm. to continue to improve. Because let's face it, you have to be the best. Well, yeah, it's almost like a. How can I say? It? It's like you need to do it. If I'm not working for my job drawing, I've got a sketchbook. I can't help it. Right. I sit at a cafe with my wife and I'm drawing, you know what I mean? And I feel lucky to have that. Yeah. So do you feel that same compunction to like, you know, sharpen the saw or what, what, what is it that you feel when you're trying to do that? The answer to that question is usually what I do revolves around some sense of technology. And of course, this is all coming to the fray now with this artificial intelligence machine oh learning, because before it was, you have to learn Photoshop, you have to learn Procreate and people go, well, AI is just a tool. But the thing is, is Photoshop's a tool because it's something, it's like brushes, which are tools, right? right? right. As like for your job, a microphone or a certain headset possibly. Mm -hmm. um, and these are tools. Artificial intelligence machine learning is not a tool. It is a replacement, I would suggest. Right. And so with your question, my sharpening of a saw is to just keep sketching and keep that activity of using my eyes and brain to render using my hand whether it be on the tablet mm. or on the sketchbook now as in the technological future i don't know and i'm wondering if that applies to you with voice work oh i honestly think and i don't mean in any way to be negative but i just think i live in reality that's the way I am. I believe in reality, and I honestly think that I feel very sorry for these young people coming up because I think in three years, it's going to be done. Mm. It's going to be done. They're going to be able to get you in there, have you say like a paragraph worth of stuff, mm. and they'll have your voice. I mean, you had that with, uh, what's his name from DreamWorks? can't remember his name. He made me so angry. Thin glasses. Uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg. Oh, Jeffrey Katzenberg. Oh, yeah. Is that what he said? He was saying that in three years' time, animation, which uses 500 people at a moment, we'll do it in no time at all, and there'll be a small team. You well, know? you know how it is. It won't be in no time at all. You know, they like to oversimplify that kind of crap. Yeah. But, yeah, I just, I don't feel good about where it's headed because I actually had a gig about three months ago. They said, oh, we want you to come and read a book on tape. And I hadn't done books on tape. So mm -hmm. I'm like... Okay, yeah, that's great. They go, we just wanted to get just a sample. So it'll be like three hours, 250 an hour. So hey, you know, you know, I can get 750 bucks for showing up for an evening, clearing my throat. Of course I'm gonna do it. <laughs> so I went in there, I started doing it, and it was a lot of pages. It was like, honest to God, it was 50 pages. Wow. And I banged through 50 pages in an hour and a half. Wow. Wow. And I mean, I was going as hard as I could. Jeez. Boom, 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 boom. Because they said when you finish. It doesn't matter how long it takes you, we're going to give you the money. Right. So I'm like, okay, well, let's fucking bang this shit out. There's no point in sitting around talking about the weather. Let's get it done. Right, right. So I did that, and then I got, oh, oh, that was all great. Okay, um, but here, now what we'd like to do is we need to get some reactions from you. So what we'd like is we want to record 15 minutes of laughing from you. Oh. And immediately my shit detector went, 15 minutes? the fuck? I've got about four laughs. How's it going to take 15 minutes? I said, well, you know, um, I don't really feel comfortable laughing that long. You know, it's kind of hard vocally. So how about if we just do like, you know, three minutes of it? And they're like, okay. And I did all these different laughs for three minutes. And then they did the same thing with humming and little reactions like, uh, 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 uh. And I started to realize, wait a second here. They're not going to use this for that 
piece I just did. Mm. Why are they getting samples of my voice? Because yeah. it became pretty obvious that's what they were doing. Yeah. Did you get a look at their contract? No. No, I didn't. But I know for a fact that that's what it was. Oh, really? And it was like, wow. wow. So that's what that was about. And as you know, from being on the big projects, I've been on the big projects like you have, mm. but on the big projects, you know, there's all this non-disclosure. Well, we can't yeah. tell you, or here's the working yeah. title. And, you know, Apple does that a lot with their stuff. Where I showed up for a commercial once, and it was like, oh, no, we can't tell you who the client is. Can't tell you this, can't tell you that. Jesus. And anyway, oh, so wow. I think in the future, I'm just going to have to say, what is it? I'm not yeah. showing up unless I know what it is. Yeah. Because they are. They're taking advantage of people so, because God knows. What do we all want to do? Oh, my God, I want to work. I want to work so much. Oh, I want to please people. I want to be a star. I wanted to ask you, as far as the strike being over now, do you know what's in that agreement? I don't. I've been told by people. I think people think that SAG operates in our best interest. But how much do we know about unions? Ugh. I don't know about you, but don't with the union, you. here's the deal. Yeah, but here's the deal. If we're going to accept something, don't we all get to vote on it? No. Right. Oh, no. <laughs> the committee unanimously passed it. Yeah. Just like the committee unanimously took away my lifetime health plan six years ago. What the f- Yeah. yeah. No. They decided, you know what? In our divine wisdom, we've looked at the numbers and we can't afford to give everyone a health plan anymore for life, so we're taking it away. Oh, and you know what? By the way, here's another thing. Um, you know those earnings you used to get on residuals, you know, that really help out when you're older because you're not on current television? We're going to take those away as qualifying income for your health plan. So let's just take that bar and raise it about 18 feet higher. Didn't they do something where they changed the qualifying date and you were so close to getting that date? They've done that too. They've done that too. The problem is, and I'm I'm just going to put myself in the shit here, but Mm. the problem is is with unions is it's another political organisation where you're getting your money Mm -hmm. from a mini government. Right. We're all paying our fucking dues. And where does it go? These guys... I know in unions are on 250, 100 grand a year. They've got their hours. What happens is, is they get rounded. The hard edges of wanting to help you get rounded off by comfort. And they yeah. want to keep those fucking positions. Oh, it's a joke, do. mate. No, it it's really a is. joke. But they've decided, you know, for us. Right. It's interesting how they always want us to vote. Oh, please, you got to vote. You got to vote so we can have the strike authority. Then once you give them the authority, then you're out of it. Right. Because they settled the strike. We didn't. They didn't come back and say, here's what they're offering. People are still not clear what we got. Right. They really aren't. That's that's what I was going to ask you. You know, they said, this is our final offer. And then we're hearing, well, we didn't accept that. Right. But we got more. Well, what more did you get? Let's get specific here. What did you get for me? Yeah, yeah. But meanwhile, you've had six months of businesses, not just us guys in the business business, but all the surrounding trades. Right. And these mofos are quite happy to just drag everything under the keel of the ship for this fucking deal that they could have done months ago. It's political bullshit. It is. It's sad. And the other thing, there's always that wonderful statistic that 5% of the Screen Actor Guild members make 95% of the money. So here's the question. If that's the case, 
and Will Ferrell's making $20 million on a picture. Right. Why do we cap the dues on earnings at $200,000? Mm. We cap it so that anyone who makes over 200000 pays the same as you and me. Really? Well, I mean, it's, they don't pay the same, but what I'm saying is, shouldn't it be like 1% of $20 million? Yeah. 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 It should be. It should But be. it's not. No. They cap it out at $200,000. Yeah. So any of these big actors, they're not paying in their fair share. No. You know, it's just like in the real world. It's it's a bunch of bullcrap. How do you see yourself moving forward with this AI and everything and all that stuff? Is there a project that you'd love to do? Something, say, for example, Harry Potter. Would you love to oh be involved in something like that, or something, I'd love to. or a book that? You really look at, there's a Netflix show, which unfortunately I've forgotten, but it, it's something about the light we don't see. And it's based on a book and it's set in World War II and it's about this diamond that's hidden from the Germans. And I read that book and I loved it. And I right. just saw it on Netflix. And I thought, I'd love to have boarded that. I would love to have worked on it. Yeah. Do you have something like that, a prime project? Or something? I really feel like more than anything, I need to write that book about my Chippendales experience because oh, yeah. there was so much that went on. And it became so just unbelievably weird with one of my bosses killing another one of my bosses. Yeah. And then Shocking. what happened subsequently, it was just, you know, that's something that I need to take on because it's a part of my history. And the thing is that people have now done a couple of shows about it. Oh. And it's not exactly accurate what they put out there. Right. You know? And I want to continue to direct for sure. Mm. I love directing people because I'm now at the age where my voice doesn't have the skills that it once did. You know, I have vocal limitations from just being worn out, from just being old, and from the fact that your vocal cords are these little bands and they lose their flexibility after a while, so you're not able to do as much. Just like great singers and stuff, that does happen. I'm not comparing myself to great singers. But when you're a director, you still get to be around all the new people and you get to be around all these talented people every day. And mm. believe me, I encourage them and I just absolutely love them because... There's nothing like being around real talent, you know? No. And young talent, I would say. Yeah, because it revitalizes you too as well. You it know, totally you, does. It totally and does. And also, however jaded we may get, you get someone who comes in there and has a fresh attitude. You're like, wow, that's right. I remember when I was like that. Yeah. <laughs> you were talking about as you age, your voice and your vocal cords change. Do you have a regimen for looking after your throat, looking after your physicality? Because if I may say, it is a performance incognito. You have that ability to perform, but you're not got the cameras on you. Right. Well, I was also lucky in when I first got to town, I decided I was going to do the Columbia School of Broadcasting. And somehow through that, I don't really remember how this exactly happened, but I made a connection. I got in a voiceover class. And the first voiceover class I got in was with Dawes Butler. And Dawes Butler was one of the big Hanna-Barbera guys. He was the voice of Elroy Jetson, Huckleberry Hound, Yogi Bear, Boo Boo Bear, wow. Wow. Uh, Baba Louie. He was a lot of the voices. And anyway, I would go to his house in Beverly Hills, and I think he might have charged $50 an hour. He mm. might have. But it was like one-on-one -on -one with a guy who'd been doing it for like 35, 40 years and was right at the top of his game. Amazing. And he was all about spoken word. He was all about the reading and then understanding the literature and breaking down the text. And then he said, you need to go over to this other class. I got over to the other class. And the other class were all the top pros at the time. There's a lady named Joni Gerber. She did the show called Wait Till Your Father Gets Home. She's doing all these commercials. So that was when all of a sudden I realized, 
I'm not just doing this casually. Look at these people. They're mm. really doing it. Mm. And in that class, there was this one guy. He's kind of a very quiet guy, dog like this. So I take a little break. And I said, uh, hey, you know what? Easter's coming up. Or, are you going anywhere for Easter break? Yes, yeah, matter of fact, I am, Mike. I said, where are you going? <laughs> well, as a matter of fact, I'm going to go skiing. I go, that's great, Lorenzo. Where are you going skiing? I go, you on a big bear? Or you? No, no. I'm going to San Moritz. I'm like, and I'm like, whoa, 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 San Moritz? You mean like in Switzerland? Yeah, I stay at the San Moritz Hotel. You can practically ski into the lobby. It's really cool. I'm like, who the hell is this guy? It was Lorenzo Music, the guy who does the voice of Garfield the Cat, who produced Rhoda, for God's sakes. I was a huge guy. I didn't even know it. And I was hanging out among all these greats. I had no idea. That's but anyway, incredible. to answer your question is, I beat up my voice so hard so many times because mm. I was known as a screamer. I was known as a guy that could do the really heavy lifting. Yeah. Like, for instance, I worked on Gladiator doing group. And, the and, movie? Yes. Ooh. And the first day, the group leader came and says, listen, um, Tony doesn't know that you're not British. So if you talk to him, talk to him in a British accent. Because <laughs> everybody that he had on it was British. Yeah. Cool, blimey. It was great. It was like, oh. Joe Baker. Oh, my God. Oh, yes. Joe yes. Baker. Fantastic guy. Sweet as could be. Joe. And you know what he used to do? He always would, instead of having a business card, he had these uh, tea bags made out. Yeah. Have a cup on with Joe. He go, and he'd hand you his tea bag. Oh, my God. And he was on the copycats. Teabagged by Joe. Exactly. I don't know if you remember oh, that, but he was on a show called The Copycats. And it was him. It was Marilyn Michaels. It was Derwood Kirby. Not Derwood Kirby. Who was that guy? Uh, Fact check. Anyway. And he could do an American accent like nobody's business. But long story short, I worked on this thing for six days. And the opening battle scene is in Germania. And I believe it's about a four-minute scene. Maybe it's not that long. But anyway, it took us a day and a half to do that one scene. Because we covered every person you saw on the screen and you know tony scott he came in and when he heard it, he loved it anyway ridley ridley, ridley scott ridley scott is, oh yes. yeah tony scott was man on fire and all yeah, that top kind of stuff. yes yes anyway yeah ridley scott you're yeah. right ridley i got my scots wrong <laughs> ridley i took my leave i did not know my scots <laughs> anyway <laughs> if it's not scottish it's crap so then we kept going and kept going there was all this screaming and crying and, ah, God, God. should we do a battle uh, Why not? Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, there you go. Yeah, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> and actually, there is one place in the movie where you can definitely hear me because people ask, "Well, where can we hear you in the movie?" There's one scene where there's a chariot rider inside the arena, and the chariot flips, and he goes yeah. into one of those wooden structure there that, and you hear me go. It's like my highest pitch scream ever. But anyway, so we're working on that, and you're blowing it out, man. You can't hold back when you do that. Mm -hmm. And the the way to work around that is to put breath in front of it and breath after it. But sometimes when someone's getting hit hard, you have to do what I call a hard attack, a glottal stop, a glop, you know? Mm. And when you do that, those cords get banged against each other like hammers. And so eventually what happens is Hmm. your voice starts to wear out. Now, in the old days, I could yell all day. 
And now I can yell for about 20 minutes and mm. that's it. I'm done. Wow. I'm really done. So anyway, after the fourth day, Newell Alexander, who was one of the co-founders of the Mad Dogs, they're a great looping group. And God, what a great guy. Newell and Mitch Carter, super great guys. You know, they gave me a lot of opportunities. And that's a part of the industry where it's very political. You know, it's like, oh, you're a loop group leader and I'm a loop group leader. So let's just hire each other. And that'll be it, right. you know? Right. And there's a lot of that. So I'm bringing to the table nothing. I'm just an actor, mm. right? And I wasn't even part of their regular group, but they would bring me in for things. So now I really appreciated that. And a lot of times that's how I made my health plan was working with them. Sure. Uh, but after about four days, he comes up to me and I go, hey, Mike, hi, are you available for tomorrow? Of course you're going to say yes, right? So I said, oh, yeah, I'm available, but I don't got much left. <laughs> he put his hand on my shoulder and goes, that's okay. You did a lot of heavy lifting today. You can just sit in the back and collect a check. I mean, that's the awesome. guy. I mean, you know, that, that's the kind of guy he was. They knew what was going on. Yeah. And I really thanked them. I can't remember if it was Beat em On or one of the other shows. And I think it was Brian Beacock, who's a wonderful, wonderful voice actor. And Bokelman. we were having him do this scream that had to go on for a while and we recorded yeah. him do maybe two or three takes and his voice started to go and Mike's like why don't you just step out for a minute and you went in there and you managed to do the scream and then put an extra push on the end yeah, of it yeah, yeah, like, do- yeah like, a, like a jet going <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ramp it up, so to speak. Yeah. That's what I call it. Was, it, yeah. it was amazing. And you voice matched him really well. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that <laughs> was. That reminds me of, God rest his soul, Bob Pappenbrook. Oh, Bob Pappenbrook. <laughs> Bob Pappenbrook was this big guy. How you doing? I'm Bob. He was like a, just a big guy. He was so much fun. He was so full of mischief. He was just a hilarious guy. He's from San Diego. And his son, Bryce Pappenbrook, right. is a very famous voiceover person. He's on Demon Slayer. He's on all these shows. And he's the nicest kid in the world. I watched him grow up. Super, super intelligent, wonderful young man. I'm so happy for his success. Anyway, uh, Bob and I were doing we were doing a pilot for a show for Saban. And it was actually Moncoli Nights. Okay, yeah. And That's originally, Bob was going to be the professor. It ended up being Jameson Price. But anyway, he was working all the time. And he came in, and there was one last cue at the end of it. And it was the, the professor goes, make way for the Moncoli Knights. It had to be like one of those big <laughs> boom, bam, bing, da-da, done, right? And he had been working all day. He goes, make way for the Moncoli Knights. And I'm like, okay, you can hit this. You can hit this. Come on, please, please, please. And he couldn't hit it. <laughs> it was really sad. But that can happen. That's the thing that a lot of people don't realize. You know, these producers go, oh, it's great how you scream. Just keep screaming. Oh, it's great. Well, hey, here's my little lecture about that. And I always say, nowadays, I really say it because you have to defend yourself. In the old days, they didn't have any OSHA. Now they have OSHA on it. You know, it's a health and safety issue of you can't yell all the time. You're wreck your voice. Right. But in the old days, they didn't give a crap about that. So I'd always say, here's the deal. My voice is a finite resource. And if you have me scream a lot at the top and then you want to do sensitive stuff at the end, it's going to sound like I've been screaming. So if we're going to do that, then let's do the dialogue first and we'll do the screams at the end. Yeah. 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 Makes sense. Yeah. That's a good way to sort of bring things to a close. Well, yes. There we go. But one last question. Uh, yes, my wallet is a finite resource. Yeah. I'm not taking you out. We are not oh. going to Norms. <laughs> we all, we all have a little something dinner. To about oh, yeah. So we have here a little parting gift 
Oh, well, what, not enough? What? Talking of wallet, because they're not cheap. They're not cheap. They're not cheap. But you could either have something like this. Oh, I love Or that. you could have something like this in a mug. Oh, I want the Grumblezilla. He wants the Grumblezilla. Grumblezilla. Oh, man, you have it. Oh, my God. because Grumblezilla. You know, Mikey Godzilla. Of course I want well, the Well, exactly. That's what I oh, That's so great. That would be perfect. Because Thank you so much. That's we, so kind. We have I found out. Sorry about the ripping. Um, oh, ripping oh my God. Oh, his skin. His skin. Ouch. Oh, his poor skin. Because we've realized that with the mugs, is that if you take one of these, the wrong side of Hollywood mugs, um, when you put your lips on the edge, you're actually kissing my head. So you're probably better oh, off. Oh, I didn't think of that. I think it's some heavy editing. Kissing Ew. your head, lips. My actual head. I'd have, Not, to, have, I'd have oh. to be loco modest to do that. <laughs> Let me tell you right now. I, Thank I, you, guys. I'm so appreciative of you having me in and being able to talk. Well, and I hope I didn't offend anyone with anything I said. I spoke from what I really, truly believe to be true, and I am an opinionated bastard. No, we, we <laughs> love you. And James is actually losing his British accent. Could you give him a little refresher, please? Yeah. Oh, everybody, I'm James. I sound like I don't have all my marbles anymore. I think I'm actually from New Zealand. It's hard to tell with this accent. It's sliding around like a slip and slide. Oh, my God. And that is Mikey's impersonation of me. I think he's wrong. London! London Bridge! <laughs> it's falling down. Oh, it's falling down. Oh, I got my... Grumblezilla... King of the motors. Oh, what the hell are you doing to me? I want to go to the Amsen. <laughs> Where's the Tonkatsu when you need it? Mikey, thank you so thank much you. for thank coming you, in, man. Thank, really. you. Oh, thank you for this wonderful gift. Yay! Thank Yay. you very much. Thank you, Martin. Thank you very much, James. Always we, my pleasure. And we would love to have you on again at some point. Yeah. Oh, that would be great. Awesome. That would be great. And Thanks we'll so see much. you at and Christmas. And everyone out there, remember one thing. Someday is not a day of the week. So don't put those things to the side that you really want to do. Put them right up front. I think those are very wise words. Thank you, Mikey. Thank you. Before we go, we bring you our... Fact check! Fact check! Fact check! Fact check segment. Here with the benefit of hindsight... And editing. We can own up to our mistakes. <laughs> Not really a fat check per se, just a little tickle. But just some clarity on an unfinished sentence Mike was saying. Ryan Johnson went on to direct Star Wars The Last Jedi. Thank you for clarifying that. Hmm. As per The Hollywood Reporter on November 9th, 2023, Jeffrey Katzenberg predicted AI will cut the cost of animated feature films by 90% and went on to say, in quotes, in the good old days, you might need 500 artists and years to make a world-class animated movie. I don't think it will take 10% of that three years from now. Mm, it's a shame they're not cutting the executives. I bet AI could take a large chunk out of those beauties. Hey, hold on. I used to be an executive. Yeah. <laughs> the Copycats was part of the ABC Comedy Hour that aired on ABC... American Broadcasting Company. In 1972, in addition to Joe Baker and Marilyn Michaels, the gentleman Mike was trying to remember was not Dermot Kirby. It was George Kirby, oh. in addition to Rich Little, Frank Gorshin, and Fred Travellina. Fun fact, guest hosts included Steve Lawrence, Orson Welles, Ed Sullivan, Raymond Burr, Robert Young, Debbie Reynolds, and 
Tony Curtis, and I have one degree of separation from the last two. Ooh, two more friends you've yet to inform me of and never introduced me. I'll explain another time. So, just want to say a big thank you to all our guests for 2023. And our patrons. And we also want to thank our listeners for tuning in and supporting us. Yes, this is our first year we dipped our toe in. I think some people like what we're doing and we like what we're doing and it's all been rather lovely and we hope to continue into 2024, which should prove to be an interesting year. Indeed. So from James and Martin, aka Hoff and Prof, wish you health, happiness and peace. And a spectacular 2024 and beyond. Thank you very much. 